This is True News, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help us God. I'm Rick Wiles. It seems surreal to watch it happen in real time, but the West is now foolishly galloping toward a horrific military confrontation with the Russian Federation in eight months of 2022. The world has moved so quickly toward nuclear war that European and American leaders no longer pretend it isn't their end game. Before the shooting starts, European nations will be gripped with electricity blackouts that could lead to social unrest and riots this winter. Doc Burkhardt and I have plenty to share with you on this Monday edition of True News. Doc, um, today's uh, news lineup is pretty heavy. Yes. And, and I assure you, you will not hear this. You will not see this anywhere in the United States of America today. It's, you, nobody's going to touch these stories and present it like we're going to show you yes. of what is truly taking place on the planet as mankind is racing towards World War III unless somebody intervenes and stops this madness. We'll start with the, the Daily Mail in London. British troops must be ready for war with Russia, top soldier says. Yes, yeah, so uh, British troops must warn their families they could be deployed to fight against Russia, a top soldier has declared. Warrant officer Paul Carney urged troops to warn their loved ones that the world faces new realities and that Britain is ready to counter any aggression. The top brass wrote in his monthly column for Soldier Magazine, it is important we prepare our loved ones and families who often have the hardest role in our absence. My ask is that you have discussions about a potential deployment with them now. Find contact numbers for support networks and relevant people who can help, such as the unit welfare officer and padre. The world has changed, and we must be prepared for new realities. Doc, Soldier Magazine is the official magazine of the British Army. Right. So that, that article was published with the full support of the Ministry of Defense of Great Britain. And what, what this warrant officer has just told all soldiers in the UK is, we are going to war with Russia. You need to sit down with your, your spouse, your parents, your children, your brothers, your sisters, and tell them we're going to war. And we gotta get ready now. Right. You served in the National Guard. If you, if you read something like that from an officer, would you sober up and go, hey guys, we're, oh, they're I, telling us we're going to war. I had that message delivered mm -hmm. to me. I, I was, you know, I was in the National Guard when the uh, Iraq War mm -hmm. was going on. And mm -hmm. we, our unit uh, was deployed. We weren't deployed to uh, the theater there in the Middle East. We were deployed elsewhere to receive equipment, but we were still deployed. Yes. But, you know, it, it really strikes fear in your heart and in your family's heart to know that this is the reality, yeah. that this is this is the reality of serving in the military. Mm -hmm. There's that sense of duty and, and everything else that goes along with it, but you have that sense of knowing too, you might not come back. Yes. And so. And that's what that message is about. Right. It's the soldiers to tell, to talk, have that talk with their loved ones 
I'm going to war, I may not come back. But we're, they're not talking about going to war in the Congo. No. They're not, this, this is war with the Russian Federation. In Europe. In Europe. Yes. A nuclear-armed Russia. Uh, the next story, uh, Metro UK. Top soldier warns British troops must be ready for war with Russia. Now, this story is, uh, it's based on the same magazine, but we've got a quote in this story from another top UK soldier. And this is a general, no less. Uh, meanwhile, the British Army's Chief of General Staff, Sir Patrick Sanders, has said commanders at each level of the service must step up. Now listen to what he says here. We are mobilizing the army to help prevent war in Europe by being ready to fight and win alongside our NATO allies and partners, he said. Now that's an interesting quote he's making there, Rick. Uh, he's saying we're going to prevent war in Europe. By fighting. By fighting. So where are they going to be fighting at, Rick? How do you prevent a war by fighting? And it, that's an oxymoron. It, you, you don't prevent war by fighting. You start war by fighting. Well, the way I'm interpreting that too, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I'm interpreting that we're going to deploy NATO troops to Ukraine. Of course, that's exactly that's, what it means. That's what it means. Absolutely. Rather than fight them in France or Germany, we're going to be fighting the Russians in Ukraine. Yes, and I would take it even further and say in Russia. Yes, I agree with you. We will be going into NATO's Russia. going to invade Russia. That's where this is headed. And it's coming much too soon than I like. This is coming up on us really fast now. Um, next story is from uh, Voice of America, British lawmaker. Nuclear accident could draw NATO allies into war. So doc, this is about the, uh, the nuclear power plant in Ukraine that the Russian military is occupying but the Ukrainian military is shelling it. Yes. But when you read the news articles in the West, you would think that the Russians are shelling it and the Ukrainians are defending it. That's exactly right. And listen to how this script is being written here. Uh, conservative British member of Parliament Tobias Elwood, who chairs the House of Commons Defense Select Committee, cautioned that any nuclear accident, any nuclear accident at the Zaporozhye nuclear power plant could draw NATO into the war between Russia and Ukraine. He says, let's make it clear now, any deliberate damage causing potential radiation leak to a Ukrainian nuclear reactor would be a breach of NATO's Article 5, he said Friday on Twitter. Now let's keep that uh, quote up for just a moment here. Um, now he said any nuclear accident. He didn't necessarily say by who, did he? Yes, no. And I noticed that also in that quote, Rick, that if there was this attack, it would be a violation of NATO's Article 5? How would that be the case, Rick? Because they're gonna make the argument that the nuclear radiation spread across the European yes. continent to five, 10 nations, therefore it was a nuclear attack on, on, NATO. on, on NATO. And, uh, but it's, your, it's the Ukrainians that are attacking their own power plant. So now we understand why they're doing it. We now understand why they're doing it to activate Article 5. Because they can't get it any other way, can they? No, and it's most likely it's NATO telling them, attack the power plant. We need a cover story. We need a reason to invade. Because up to this point, 
Russia has not done anything to, to any other NATO country that would cause NATO, uh, uh, NATO's Article 5 no. to be implemented, they right? They don't want it. They don't want it activated. They've been keeping all their activities and their, uh, you know, their motions, their movements, uh, the mm -hmm. uh, military movements within Ukraine, within Crimea. Of course, Ukraine's not a member of NATO, and they have not violated any NATO airspace or anything else. But this attack, an attack on the nuclear plant by Ukraine. Yes. So why aren't NATO leaders telling Zelensky, call your troops off and stop shelling that nuclear power plant? That is madness. That's insanity. Let the Russians have it. I mean, seriously, why aren't, why aren't Western leaders condemning Zelensky and the Ukrainian army. It's the other way around, Doc. Right. They're telling him to do it. Yes. And they the want the reason to invade. The U.N. Secretary General was just there last Thursday and Friday. He could have said plenty about, hey, Ukraine, it's probably a bad idea to be shooting at a nuclear power plant. Mm -hmm. But I think the script is already in place, Rick. This could yeah. be the opportunity for NATO to have a reason to attack Russia now. That's right. Well, the next story is, uh, is Vestia, a Russian news, newspaper. The Federation Council, that's, um, that's kind of like the, the official ruling deep state governmental body of Russia, announced NATO's preparations for the toughest confrontation with Russia. Now, Doc, I, if America had a... A, a government body, an official organization, a commission that included the president of the United States, the vice president of the United States, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the national security advisor. And you go down through the... Basically like the National Security Council yes, and more, but bigger than much that. Much bigger. And, but they have the power to commit Russia to war. What they said today is... NATO is, this is an official statement from the Federation Council, NATO is preparing for a major war with Russia. I, I don't know, how, it's hard for us in America to, to understand the gravity of that statement. Um, I mean, the closest thing we have is the Pentagon. Right. But the, the, this, is a, this is a government agency that includes the Russian military and the the Kremlin. Right. The, it is the official deep state of, sort of, of a, Russia. A, sort of a, sort, sort of a check and balance between the two, isn't it? Yes. And so it prevents uh, the Kremlin from you know entering into war and prevents the army from entering into yes, war. Yes. You so, got it. You got it. But, but they have said today, NATO is preparing to attack Russia. Well, look, let's look at the reasons for that. Now they're saying that NATO is a real threat to Russia, and the number of military bases along the perimeter of the Russian Federation testifies to this. Now, back on August 22nd, uh, the Senator of the Federation Council, Olga Kovatidi, expressed this opinion to Izvestia. She urged not to believe the statements of German Chancellor Olaf Scholz that the North Atlantic Alliance has never been a threat to Russia. That's today, Doc. Yes. This statement's made today. Yes. Now, she says, Schultz is lying, it's quite obvious, and a number of measures that were voiced by Russia confirm this. Now, she lays out the reasons. Both the suspension of the activities of the NATO military liaison mission in Moscow and the withdrawal of accreditation of its employees. 
Now, a number of events that testified that NATO was not just going to freeze military contacts, and NATO was preparing for a fierce confrontation with Russia, Kovatiti said. Now, NATO had uh, a, a mission that served in Moscow. This was an opportunity for NATO to have at least some communication with Moscow, some communication with the Kremlin and the Federation mm -hmm. Council. It keeps the channels yes. of communication open. Right. But they have NATO has withdrawn yes. that mission. Yes. All right. And so now there's none of that checks and balances between NATO and Russia that's happening. And NATO did this. Yes, and, and that is a sign that NATO's not interested in talking with the Kremlin. NATO's getting ready to go to war. Right. So then I found this article in the Philippines News Agency, and it was uh, published in June of this year. Yes, so uh, this is the title here, NATO is prepared for confronting Russia and has been since 2014. This is according to Jen Stoltenberg. It says, NATO has been preparing to face off Russia since 2014. NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg said, uh, this is back in June, we actually prepared for this possibility for a long time, he said at a news conference capping a second day of the NATO summit in Madrid. It's not as if NATO suddenly woke up on the 24th of February and realized that Russia was dangerous. The reality is we, have also, we also have been preparing for this since 2014 because that's the reason why we have increased our presence in the eastern part of the alliance, why NATO allies have started to invest more in defense, Stoltenberg went on to say. Okay, I would, I would say it like this. What Jens Stoltenberg admitted in June is that a decision was made in 2014 to go to war with Russia in 2022. That's how I interpret it. They've been preparing for war. The decision was made in 2014. Now, if you reverse the news, go back to 2014, and you look at a series of things, and you see Russia, you see Putin telling Russia, do not build those military bases close to our borders. Do not put, do not put intercontinental ballistic missiles on our border. Do not bring in um, nuclear weapons on our border, Start going back to 2014. And so what happened in 2014? They, they, so obviously NATO leadership made a decision to attack Russia. I think the date was set then. I think they set the date that in the early 2020s, by 2022, they would have the war. And they have been preparing and building their military bases, bringing their troops in, while they, at the same time, accusing Putin of being aggressive. Right. And what happened in 2014? You had the color revolution in Ukraine. Yes. Where the United States directly interfered, overthrew, overthrew the, the government of Ukraine. And why did they do it? Because Putin stood up to NATO in Syria and went, went to war, provided military support to the Syrian army to wipe out the ISIS warriors that the West recruited and yes. trained and armed to take down the Syrian government. And it frustrated NATO. And so they just changed the theater. They left Syria and they went to Ukraine. And they made the decision in 2014, we're going to take him down. Yeah, we're going to use Ukraine to do it. Yes. He's going to defy us. He showed us he will defy us. So the decision was made um, 
it's going to take uh, eight years to get the military ready for a nuclear war with Russia. Here we are now. Yes. But that decision was made eight years ago, Doc. Well, another article from uh, Izvestia. This is uh, from uh, 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 Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. Uh, Mr. Lavrov had announced the formation of the EU and NATO coalition for war with Russia. Now, this was also back in June, just a few days after the announcement by uh, uh, Jen Stoltenberg. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov said on June 24th that European countries are uniting for a war with the Russian Federation. Now, listen to his reasoning here. He said, when the Second World War began, after all, Hitler gathered a significant part, if not a large part, of European countries under his banners for the war against the Soviet Union. Now, in the same way, including the European Union together with NATO, they are gathering such an already modern coalition to fight and, by and large, war with the F Russian Federation. And he said this at a press conference with Azerbaijani Foreign Minister Zheyum Bayramov. Uh, this was back just a few days after the NATO announcement. So, Rick, it's interesting. He prepared. He he just prepared the EU and NATO to Hitler. Yes, well, they've, they've not backed down on comparing the West to Nazis. Yes, and um, in the Russians' eyes, uh, the West is controlled by the modern Nazis that uh, are descendants of the Nazis that attacked Russia in World War II. And uh, the Azov Battalion in Ukraine uh, is Nazi. Th there's no debate about it. They say that they're Nazis. <laughs> yes. But it's like so many things. If you quote them, you're the lunatic. You're the conspiracy theorist. If you show their flag, you're crazy for yes. showing their flag. You'll get deplatformed. Right. For, for showing people the truth. Now, this next article is from Newsweek, and it, it says uh, Putin would nuke NATO to defend Russian speakers in the Baltics, according to a, a Putin ally. This ally uh, is a uh, very popular Russian television news commentator. And uh, very good friend of Vladimir Putin, according to sources. And so uh, now Newsweek is saying this, uh, a Kremlin propagandist with close ties to uh, Vladimir Putin has said that Russia should use nuclear weapons against the West to protect Russian speakers in the Baltic states. Vladimir Sololov was giving his reaction to restrictions being proposed in Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia on Russian citizens and Russian speakers in response to Putin's full-scale invasion of Ukraine. So when they're talking about Russian speakers... They're talking about citizens of those who countries. who speak Russian. Yes. They're, they're, they're criminalizing... Speech. The speech using, if your native tongue is Russian and you live in those countries, they're shutting you down. They're deplatforming people, saying uh, we're, we're not going to allow it anymore. And and it, it, it again, it is to it is to stigmatize Russian people. It is to ostracize them. Yes. It is to say uh, the West has decided we're we're going to have a a final solution for the Russians. Isn't that racist? It's very racist. But it's what the Nazis did in World War II. They had a final solution. And that was for the Jews. This time... It's for the Russians. It's for the Russians. So Estonia's government has made it more difficult for Russian citizens to even enter the country. Latvia has declared Russia a state sponsor of terrorism. 
stopped issuing entry visas to Russian citizens and is looking to restrict Russian language use in workplaces. Meanwhile, in Lithuania, which in June was involved in a dispute with Moscow over the transport of goods via its territory to the Russian enclave of Kaliningrad, has backed an EU-wide push to ban Russian tourists. Um, now, uh, but Sololyov warned of reprisals from Moscow over the measures being proposed in the former Soviet countries, which border Russia and are EU and NATO members. Calling the Baltic states Nazi, he said that you want to prohibit us, the Russian people, from being able to speak our own language, even though 40% of Latvians are Russian speakers. Okay, we're going to send in our troops to defend Russians, the Russian-speaking population, he said during a segment on his show Full Contact on the Russian One channel on Tuesday. Will the NATO countries jump in, he said, asking whether European capitals were ready to burn from the strikes of our missiles and, if necessary, from our tactical nuclear weapons. In other words, he's saying this could ramp up really quickly. Doc, he's, he said we're going to send our troops in. What he just said, I mean, if he has any inside knowledge of what the Kremlin is planning, he said Russia is going to send troops into Latvia and Estonia to defend Russian-speaking citizens. And really, wasn't that one of the reasons they went into Crimea in the first place? Yes. Because and, it was and overwhelmingly... And Donetsk. So. so that, to me, sounds like they are about to seize territory in Estonia and Latvia that have large populations of Russian-speaking citizens and simply say, um, you want to have a vote and join Russia? And what he's saying is, when we, he didn't say if we do it, when we do it, our European capitals, European nations, are you prepared to watch your cities burn? Because we're, we're going to strike them. Okay, so who, who is instigating this stuff? Um, they're taking these abrasive, racist actions against, yes. against the Russians. The Russians are saying, these are fighting words. And we don't, we don't make threats. We actually do it. You're insulting us. You're attacking our people. You want, you want us to disappear from the earth? You're going to tell us that we can't speak our native language? We're going to go in and we're going to defend our people. And we dare you to do something because we're going to burn your cities down. Now, you like to flip the script? Let's flip the script. If, if it was American citizens in another country and they were being persecuted and they were being yes. ostracized because, simply because they were American citizens and they spoke English, let's yes. say. We, and we have gone into conflicts. We've yes. gone to the Cuba and the Philippines in different places around the world just because of that very issue. That's right. And so now that the shoe's on the other foot, are we prepared to go all in uh, on this situation? Because we're instigating, NATO and the West, we're instigating this with Russia. We're using Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania to stir up the bear. So, Doc, you've, you've got the the uh, attack on the dignity of the Russian people in those countries. Uh, these are Russian-speaking uh, people living in Latvia and Estonia. And then you have 
the shelling of the nuclear power plant. Right. The third thing that just happened over the weekend was the uh, hit, the assassination of the daughter of Alexander Dugan. Now, now for our audience, they, uh, there's probably a lot of people watching, they don't know Alexander Dugan from anybody. Who is this? Um, I, I don't know a lot about the guy other than what I do know is that he appears to be, I'm talking about from the, from the Western material that I read, he, he's, he seems to be a mysterious Russian mystic. Yes. A Rasputin. Right. They, they describe him as the modern Rasputin. Whether he's that sinister, I don't know. He's a philosopher. He's, he's a Russia first guy. Right. You know, a, a hardcore Russian nationalist. We fight for Russia. We defend Russia. This is, we don't take any stuff from anybody. He's Russia first. He's Russia first. Right. Okay. Now, um, the West for years, his Western news outlets have said for years that he's Putin's brain. When I read the Russian papers translated in English, they say that's not true. They just say he's, he's a popular philosopher, but he has no major direct influence on Vladimir Putin. I don't know who's telling the truth. I don't know. Okay. But, but there was an interesting story about him yes. over the weekend. So there was a hit, an assassination. It was supposed to be for, now, the story over the weekend was it was supposed to be for him. And they, they, a bomb was placed under his car. And at the last minute, he switched automobiles with his daughter. And she was blown to pieces just a few miles outside of, of Moscow. And then he... There was video of him, the father, uh, at the site. It was a horrible sight of a father looking at, at body pieces of his daughter. It was right. literally what horrible scene. Um, so Zelensky told the Ukrainian people, prepare for something nasty, something ugly to happen. There's going to be revenge. And the Ukrainian government is, is swearing, you know, we didn't do it. We did not do this. At the same time, they're telling the Ukrainian people, you better know where, where your bomb shelter is at. That something really serious is going to happen. It's going to be reprisal. Payback is going to come. Uh, the Russians have not said yet how they're going to do it, what they're going to do, but you can be certain they're going to strike. Um, We've got about a minute remaining. If, if you're watching us on um, DirecTV or cable television, uh, we're only uh, available on, on uh, traditional television for the first 30 minutes. After that, we go to our website, truenews.com. So you need to switch over to truenews, T-R-U-N-E-W-S, truenews.com. And uh, you will hear news that just is not reported on Fox News and CNN and MSNBC because they're not allowed to tell you the truth. The problem with the news media is not their bias in what they tell you, it's their bias in what they do not tell you. They keep you in the dark. And that's why God has had true news here for over 23 years. And it's by the grace of God that we continue every day so if you're watching us on broadcast, on cable, direct TV, 
We're going to sign off at this point and go over to our website at truenews.com. We invite you to follow us there. And for the rest of you, just stand by. We'll be there soon. Okay, welcome back to the next part. So I was talking about this hit yes. on Alexander Dugan's uh, daughter. Um, look, an innocent person was murdered. Every assassination like this, an innocent person was murdered. Um, she should not have died for her father's politics. She's a young woman. She died for her father's politics. Now, the Russian FSB released video, surveillance video of her, and they said she, the killer, talking about the killer, that the killer, the assassin, was a member of the Ukrainian Azov Battalion. Right. Meaning the Nazis. And that she had stalked her out for, for, a, good, months. for a good month at least. And, and so. moved into an apartment next to her in the same building. And so they released uh, surveillance video from the apartment building. That you see her walking up uh, to the, you know, the foyer of the apartment complex. Um, what, what I found interesting, Doc, in, in reading the Russian uh, news accounts about this is that she activated, she activated the bomb by remote control. But I, what I saw was that she, it wasn't a, a matter of, of um, mistaken automobile. I think she intended, if this woman did it, whoever did it, intended to kill Dugan's daughter. I think they want him to go into a rage. I, I really believe they intended to kill Dugan's daughter. Yeah, that makes sense based on the story here. Uh, this from BBC here. Uh, Daria Dugina, uh, Ukraine killed Putin ally's daughter, Russian says. Uh, Russia has accused Ukrainian special services of killing the daughter of one of Vladimir Putin's allies in a car bombing near Moscow over the weekend. Ukrainian officials have denied any involvement in the explosion, but Russia's Federal Security Service, the FSB, said on Monday it had solved the case and said that Ukraine was directly responsible. Now, the FSB told Russian media that a Ukrainian woman had moved to Russia in July alongside her young daughter, but that she was, in fact, a Ukrainian special services contractor. Now, it said the woman, it said, rented an apartment in the same building as Ms. Dugina for a month preparing for the attack. In that time, she allegedly followed the journalists through Moscow in a Mini Cooper for which she used three different license plates. The suspect then escaped to Estonia after the explosion, the FSB said. An advisor to Ukraine's President Zelensky, Mikhailo Podolyak, said the FSB's version of events was Russian propaganda from a fictional world. And so this was a message that uh, Ukrainian forces was sending. Uh, well, Doc, if it was Russian propaganda from a fictional world, uh, the end result is the same. Dugan's daughter was murdered. Right. So who, who, who else would want to murder somebody in, in high-level Russian society? Why? There's, I mean, it's only Ukraine, unless somebody wanted Ukraine to be blamed for it. 
Mm, now, there could be that party too. Okay, so now that's, it, it's interesting watching CNN and some of the American news media uh, floating conspiracy theories that Putin had her killed For as a false, a false flag so that he could bomb Ukraine. So the American news media today is, is promoting conspiracy theories about a false flag. Well, they ought to be deplatformed. But Putin can bomb Ukraine any day of the week. Yeah, he, he doesn't need a reason. He's already got a reason. Well, then who else would want a false flag? Well, I can think of a great big block of nations. Yeah, NATO. NATO. Right. And then you start to think about Operation Gladio. And that's a whole other show. We could spend a whole day show. talking about that. But somebody did it to infuriate Putin. First of all, to infuriate the father. I, I, I don't think he was the target. I think, I think the daughter was the target. They knew exactly who they were killing. And um, it was to make the father furious, drive him to madness, that he would, if he has any access to Putin, he would be screaming. Go all, go all in. Yes. yes. Screaming for blood, for revenge. Killing begets killing. Yes. There's just more blood. These people, they're bloodthirsty. And eventually they're going to get so much blood that the world is going to drown in blood. You know the last big, you know, at the end, there's so much blood. The Bible says that there will be a lake of blood around Jerusalem. About, it'll be about 200 miles wide, and it, it will be the, the height of a horse's bridle. So about, what do you say, about six foot deep? Yeah, about five, six feet deep, 200 miles wide. A it's blood. Hard to a blood. A lake of blood. And it's around Jerusalem. I don't know the, Doc, the, uh, the evangelical Christian Zionists, I don't think they've ever figured this out that if there's that much blood around Jerusalem, there's nothing left of Israel. How could there be? Are people out there swimming in the blood? Think about that. Yeah. This doesn't quite fit in the end times plans, does it? No, but they teach it because the Bible says it. I mean, that's real. But then there's a disconnect from reality and then they, they talk about uh, Israel surviving, uh, you know, Armageddon and, and you know, the, the, this millennial kingdom being set up. But well, wait a minute, there's 200 mile wide lake of blood, five feet deep. But you and I don't have to worry about that, Rick. We'll be gone, remember? Yes, but this is... Uh, According to them. Accor yes. But who is, who is reigning in in Israel with that blood. Would you want to live there? Of course not. How many years, how many centuries would it take to get rid of the bloodstains? The only way to get rid of it is going to be to burn the planet. Yes. Okay. That big war is coming. We're moving towards it very quickly, but World War III has already started and um, you know, our I don't know whether any of us are going to survive it, to be honest with you. My, my only my only concern right now is how many, how many souls can I get into the lifeboat right now? That's the only thing I'm thinking about. 
how many unsaved people can I get to the cross and get them saved, get them baptized, get them prepared before this war erupts and it's coming so fast. I, I, it, this is, today was a very troubling day watching this news. By the way, I uh, appreciate your patience. Last uh, Friday we had um, almost all of our production people uh, sick and guess what? They're still sick today. But the grace of God, other members of our team uh, came on board, got in the control room, and are talking with their counterparts who are home sick to figure out how to run the equipment. And by the grace of God, we're doing this program. Yes. And yet, our production team's not in the production room. <laughs> Yes, so it is. And there's nobody on the, the floor. There's nobody on the floor around us, except it, us. As <laughs> us, but we're still, we're still recording a program by the grace of God, uh, and that's because this message has got to go out that people must be saved. They must come to the cross now. The day is coming when there will be no more work for the kingdom of God. Um, the next one, uh, we'll switch to another. Another war theater, the Pacific. This is the, this is the uh, uh, South China Morning Post today. The PLA adopts nuclear deterrence to stop foreign intervention on Taiwan. And uh, we've got a quote from that uh, particular article. It says, the People's Liberation Army has adopted nuclear deterrence to try to stop the United States and Japan from directly intervening in a possible clash over Taiwan, but would exercise caution to avoid full-blown conflict, according to analysts. So, Rick, my question for you, this is a significant change of posture, isn't it? Doc, I mean, do, I, do, I hope our audience comprehends what you're reading and hearing right now. Now, this, this actually was published yesterday, Sunday, in Hong Kong. The South China Morning Post said, China has now switched to the threat of nuclear war to stop the United States and Japan from defending Taiwan. This is what the Nancy Pelosi trip has done. You see how far we've, how far we've gone in, in two weeks, stocks? that now China's position is, we will use our nukes. We're quite prepared to nuke America and Japan. And that is now their military position. And they've said this so as much uh, days before Beijing kicked off an un unprecedented war games near Taiwan in the wake of US House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's Taipei tour earlier this month. Video footage of two vehicles carrying the two-stage liquid-fuel Dongfeng 5B intercontinental ballistic missile circulated on mainland social media platforms Weibo and uh, WeChat. Now, the video showed other Dongfeng nuclear-capable missiles as well, including the Rode Mobile DF-27, DF-16, and DF-15B moving through city streets. All Dongfeng series missiles are capable of delivering nuclear warheads, while the DF-5B ICBM has a range of up to 15,000 kilometers, that's 9,000 miles, enabling it to hit North America. 
Now, it is aimed at warning the U.S. and its close ally Japan not to intervene in the Taiwan issue, reminding them Beijing has the most powerful weapon that could give them a deadly strike, said Yui Gan, a retired PLA uh, colonel. Yui compared it with Russia's nuclear threats after the invasion of Ukraine, which he said had been successful in deterring the U.S. and NATO from directly intervening in the war. Putin's experience inspired Beijing that it's a workable strategy to stop the U.S. and Japan's possible intervention in a future Taiwan contingency, he said. So this is where we're at now, that we have upped the game because of Ukraine. Now China is upping the game, too. Rick, since Nancy Pelosi has been to Taiwan, we've sent three congressional delegations yes. there. yes. Since Nancy yes. has been there. Yes, and a Japanese delegation. So, Doc, why, why is the Chinese military driving nuclear ICBMs up and down the streets of Chinese cities? What's the purpose? To make it clear to, Russia, uh, to the U.S. that we will use them. This exactly. is where you've put us to. Yes. And they said, look, Russia threatened to nuke NATO if they got involved in Ukraine. NATO didn't get into Ukraine other than supply the weapons and everything. But what we just read today, this NATO is to preparing for the intervention. Yes. So everybody keeps upping the ante. This thing's becoming more dangerous by the day. So now uh, Russia has put their weapons out on the table. NATO has put their weapons out on the table. China's bringing their weapons out. It's... And now the UK is talking about deploying troops. Yes. And the only place they're going to deploy them to is, is, U is Ukraine and Russia. So, and what does that mean? That means things are going to happen in the Pacific as well with China. These things go, get out of control really quick, don't they? They do. Doc, I wish I were wrong and I wish the rapture was true. Because this would be a great time to be raptured away, wouldn't it? Yes. I wish the rapture was true. I wish all the people that taught the pre secret pre-trib rapture, I hope they turn out to be correct because we need to get out of here now. Really, you rapture people, you ought to be shouting, Jesus, come on, get us out of here. They're about to blow up the world. And that's almost literal. Yeah, <laughs> but there, there's no secret rapture happening, is there? Man, I would like to be wrong. But you're not. That's the, that's the tough part. I'd be shouting all the way up into the cloud, I was wrong. Hallelujah, I was wrong. But I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. Uh, there, there, there will be survivors of this war. Yes. But the world will be different, and global government will come together quickly after the war. You know, um, here at True News, Rick has a great eye of noticing trends and news cycles or a series of, of uh, articles or stories that all pop up all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. It's like there'll be 20 or 30 articles along the same theme, mm -hmm. not copied word for right. word, but along the same theme. Yes. As if all of a sudden said, all right, now we can talk about this. Right. And one of those things you caught on earlier uh, over the weekend was 
we've been talking about the energy uh, scenario that's happening in Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, so oil price, uh, the website oilprice.com, uh, listen to this story here. It says Gazprom will halt Nord Stream gas flows on August 31st. Well, they're down to 20%. Right. So now they're going to stop it completely. Now, they're saying this is just for a few days. But that's what they said about the two-week maintenance. Right. So let's re read a quote from this article here. And it's going to set us up for the rest of the stories that follow. It says, Gazprom will stop all gas flows to Europe via the Nord Stream pipeline from August 31st until September 2nd, Russia's gas giant Gazprom announced on Friday. Now, the reason for the three-day suspension of gas flows via the pipeline, uh, they're saying, would be due to maintenance work at the Trent 60 gas compressor station, which would be carried out with Siemens. Now, the maintenance was not planned and is expected to escalate tensions between Russia and the EU and squeeze Germany, already in the midst of an energy crisis, by restricting gas supplies even more. All right, so that sets us up for uh, these stories that we're about to uh, see here. Now, this is a story coming out of Finland. Now, this is from RTBF. Finnish Prime Minister uh, warns public to brace for 10 difficult winters. Now, Rick, this is an interesting article you found. 10 winters? It's a decade. Right. Now, we were talking about there, there were going to be problems this winter. Now, now he's, saying, he's saying winters. up to 10 winters, up until the early 2030s. Now, this is really an interesting uh, article to take note of because they know something we don't right now. Prime Minister Alexander de Croo predicted difficult economic times during a visit to Zeebrugge on Monday due to soaring energy prices while considering that the country was able to cope with them. He said, the next five to ten winters will be difficult. The development of the situation is very difficult throughout Europe. Some sectors are facing serious difficulties with these high energy prices, he noted, during an intervention with the, within the port handling company ICO terminals, where he was following a half-day internship on Monday at the invitation of VOCA, a Flemish employer organization. Now, he said the boss of VOCA, Hans Martins, has not said anything else a few minutes earlier, saying he saw heavy clouds over the Flemish economy and black snow over many companies. We are monitoring the situation closely, but we must be clear. The next few months will be difficult. The next winters, plural, will be difficult. We will have to get out of this, hoping for the best while preparing for the worst. And if the situation proves ultimately better than expected, it will still have been beneficial to have been prepared, the Prime Minister added. Rick. Ten difficult winters. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the first time hearing this. It is. And it's the first time our audience is hearing it. You're hearing, you're hearing news uh, that 99.9% .9 of the world has not heard and most likely won't hear for quite some time. Uh, so you've got to process, process this information. You're, we're being told by the leader of Finland uh, he just he just advised his people we're going to have hard times for ten years, it's particularly over energy. Meaning it's going to be cold. There's going to be blackouts. There's going to be shortages. There's going to be energy rationing. That's what that means, Doc. Yes. 
there's going to be economic hardship because factories will close. Economic productivity will be down uh, for, for 10 years. Best, best case scenario, he said five to 10 years. Best case scenario, five years. Right. That's 2027. How many people right now today are aware that we're going, the world, the West is going into a five to 10 year crisis? How many people know it? You can't tell it by the way they're living. You can't tell it by their, their shopping behavior. You, you can't tell it by um, their obsession with uh, social media. They have no idea. They're not preparing. No, they're, they're, not, preparing. they're not prepared at all. They're not preparing because they don't even know it's coming. And they don't know it's coming because they have no interest. They have no interest in knowing. And so they're, they're sleepwalking into this, uh, this uh, dystopian nightmare that the world is going into. Uh, we're going to show you some more. Just hang in there. This isn't the only one. Wales Online. Number 10 Downing Street issues power shortages statement after concerns over winter blackouts. You see the date? Today. Yes. August 22nd. Now, the government has sought to reassure people over concerns. Power supplies could be limited over the cold months. Downing Street insisted that there would be sufficient electricity and gas supplies over the winter. A number 10 spokeswoman said households, businesses, and industry can be confident they will get the electricity and gas that they need over the winter. That's because we have one of the most reliable and diverse energy systems in the world. But there's still fear among the, the people, the population, Rick, that there could possibly be blackouts. That's because just a week ago, they said there would be mandatory blackouts. And they're also hearing news from France where they're talking about controlled blackouts. This is from the Brussels Times. Controlled blackouts, France braces for winter electricity shortage. France faces a high chance of electricity shortages and is not ruling out, not ruling out controlled blackouts this winter. That's according to Johan Levain, a researcher at the Electrical Energy Laboratory at Gant University. According to Levain, the sky-high price hikes have been exacerbated by the fact that more than half of France's nuclear power stations, which normally provide over 70% of electricity, are out of operation partly for maintenance, partly to address potential compromises to their safe operation, and partly because, now listen to this, water levels are too low on the rivers where they are situated to keep the reactors cool. And we've been talking about that story for so, the past week so as well. Doc, uh, you know, what happens when they can't keep the reactors cool? They have to shut them down. But you just can't push stop no, the nuclear that reactor. Takes, that takes a while for it to cool down. So here's, a, here's another thing I've learned today. Germany. Germany is shutting down all their nuclear power plants in December by government decree. And they said that we have no intention of, of changing our decree. 
in spite of the energy crisis. What's going on, Doc? There can only be two options in my mind. Either the German government officials are got a special kind of stupid or it's by design. Right. Which one is it? They're really stupid or they're very devilish. Which one is it? They're shutting down all of the nuclear power plants in Germany at the end of December and saying, we're not, we're not changing our mind. We're not going to rescind this order. They said they might allow one Bavarian plant to continue for a limited time. But you would think with, with the energy crisis facing Germany, that the German government would be saying, hey, uh, who cares what the environmental wackos want? These power plants are going to continue operating because we may have 10 winters to go through. Right. So up, up in Finland, the, the Finnish prime minister, is, he's telling his people, hey, hard times for the next 10 years. In Germany, they're saying, we're going to make it hard for you. Right. In and over in England, they're lying to the people. Oh, we'll make it. We'll get through. And in France, they're telling them straight out, hey, controlled blackouts are coming. I went on to say in that Brussels Times article, EDF is doing everything possible to get as many power plants back on by the winter, but there is a lot of uncertainty for the time being, he said. There's a high chance that there will be a shortage of electricity. Because of that, economic shutdowns are as good as certain, said Levain. Companies will close down temporarily, temporarily, because electricity will become simply unaffordable. The government will have to resort to controlled blackouts. Regions will be put in the dark for an hour, for example, to save power. It won't be just an hour, I guarantee you that. Okay, I'm uh, going to say to our audience, your, your time is running out to replenish your supplies. We're going into a very difficult winter, and it's going to last for years. So uh, stockpile, make the decisions that you need to make. Read what they're telling you. Factories will close down. Factories will close down. Right. Um, there's going to be severe economic disruption starting this fall. And we're, at, we're almost at the end of August. Fall is coming soon. By Doc, by the time we get into October, I, I don't even know what kind of headlines we're going to be reading in October. This is moving oh, so we'll, fast. We'll be reading I, about riots and... and Unrest all over Europe by the time we get to October. Well, because people we, are going to start catching on. Well, real quick. We've, got, we've got some riot news stories in here because you, you've hit it right. Switzerland. Switzerland is preparing for riots. Let's, let's look at number 40. So, this is from Swiss Info. Uh, Swiss are preparing, once again, the, this is just within the past several days here. The Swiss are preparing for energy shortages and extreme. Scenarios. What does, a, what does a Swiss riot look like? Well, it's going to be tough because Doc, Switzerland is, har is armed. I know, but the Swiss people, I just can't, I can't, I can't picture a Swiss riot. I mean, you couldn't get them riled up in World War II. I mean, uh, what, what, what's going to get them riled up? Well, a, a winter without heat. And it gets cold in Switzerland, let me tell you. I've been in Switzerland in January. It's cold there. Uh, this is from Blick. 
uh, one of the outlets in uh, uh, the area. It's in, it is conceivable, now this is what they're saying in Switzerland, it is conceivable that the population will rebel over energy supplies. I guess so. Now the federal government is working flat out to overcome the impending power shortage. In an interview with Blick, Chief Police Director Freddie uh, Fosler warns against neglecting security issues. In other words, he's saying we need to be concerned about this. The federal government is preparing at full speed for the impending power shortage. Focus is on the energy supply, but when there are bans, quotas, or even network shutdowns, the security forces are also challenged. Internal security then becomes a problem, warned Jan Flukiger, Secretary General of the Energy Directors Conference. The federal government has not yet recognized the urgency in this regard. In any case, the Cantons insisted on being better involved in the preparatory work, as Chief Police Director Freddie Fosler explains in an interview. Now, he was asked uh, several questions related to uh, what he saw might happen over the next few months. Uh, one of the questions that he was asked, what do you fear in view of the impending power shortage? His reply was a grid shutdown or blackout. And so he's considering this, Rick, mm -hmm. would have far-reaching consequences. Just imagine, you can no longer uh, withdraw money from ATMs, pay with your card in shops, or fill up at gas stations and all the heaters don't work anymore. You have to be cold. It's dark in the streets. It is conceivable that the population will rebel or that there will be looting. We have to prepare for such extreme scenarios, even if I don't expect it to really come to that. But he did speak it out, didn't he? Yes, but he's a, he's a, a police chief, and he's, he's very aware that something ominous is coming towards Europe. And it's coming fast. Doc. Right. He was also asked, would the security forces be operational at all if their electricity went out too? Now listen to this response. We have taken care of that. In 2014, we practiced the situation of a power shortage and a blackout in a large security association exercise, also involving the blue light organizations, the police organizations. Major deficiencies were discovered in the process, such as the lack of emergency power generators, for the police, hospitals, and other critical infrastructure. These shortcomings have been corrected in recent years so that the security forces are armed. But we are also prepared to make cash available to people if you can no longer pay by card in the store. Interesting that they say that, isn't okay, it? Okay, well, if the store, how's the store open up if there's no electricity? How, how do gas pumps work if yes, there's no electricity? Yes, if there's no electricity. How does, so you got, you got you free got cash. cash from the government. You can't do anything with it. I'll tell you something else, Doc. If it lasts too long, the police officers will leave the force. Right. To go take care of their wives and children. What do they do then? What do they do then when the police officers say, I can't deal with this. I have a wife at home and I have three little kids. There's no heat, there's no food. I'm done, I gotta go take care of my family. Right. That's where they're headed. And another question that was asked of uh, Mr. Fowler, Chief Fowler, uh, do you think more criminals will take advantage when the lights are out? He says, well, I don't wanna paint the devil on the wall, but it also has been seen in environmental disasters that certain people have abused the situation to plunder unprotected objects. 
This could also be the case if the network is switched off, for example, in shops where there is something to buy. It is all the more urgent to ensure that the police do not only react when something has already happened. And uh, another quote from this, uh, what do you advise the population if they are suddenly left in the dark? He says it sure helps to check and stock up on emergency supplies, for example, with food, candles, flashlights, batteries, and gas cookers. But uh, Chief Feisler, that's only gonna take you so far, I'm telling you right now. It gets cold in Switzerland. Very cold. And when the lights are out in Switzerland, it's very dark. Oh, it's extremely dark. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's beautiful <laughs> to see yes. the sky, but it is also very, very dark outside. Yeah. Winters are dark. Hey, I want to jump over to number 53. This is from Bloomberg. And this is going to be uh, uh, our last uh, news for today. Uh, UK inflation to rise beyond 18%. This year in the gas crisis, says Citigroup. Right. UK inflation is on track to rise above 18% for the first time in almost half a century next year as energy prices rocket, according to the investment bank Citigroup. Using forecasts for the retail energy price cap, which analysts expect to rise to close to 6,000 pounds in April from 1,900 uh, pounds currently, Citi's UK economist Benjamin Nabarro said in a note that the Consumer Prices Index of Inflation will peak at 18.6% in January. Now, this is based just on current pro, uh, uh, projections right now. He said the last time inflation was higher than 18.6% was in 1976, and that was after an oil supply shock that devastated the global economy and left the UK seeking a bailout from the International Monetary Fund. It last matched that level in 1980, according to Bloomberg figures. And we're going to show you a chart here. Uh, this will give you a picture here of where they're expecting uh, the uh, inflation rate to land. Now, so we're looking at historic levels. Now, they've had higher inflation rates in the past, but I think it's just based on what the stories we've been talking about today, Rick, mm -hmm. I think 18% is way too low. Yeah, and I'm gonna show you something. Let's keep this chart up here. So, um, Susan and I were married in 1974. I was 20 years old when I was married in 1974. Our daughter, Carissa, was born in 1976. Jeremy was born in 79. So, I lived through this. Right. Okay, I get the shakes when I look at this chart because I have bad memories, okay? I have some really bad memories when I look at that chart because I, a young married man with two children, it was tough, it was tough. And I lived, I grew up where I grew up. The economy wasn't good when the economy was good, okay? <laughs> Yes. Even even I when the rest of the what you mean. when the rest of the country was having good economy where I lived it still wasn't good. Yeah, we hadn't gotten the news yet. Yeah. Right? So when the when the country had bad economy it was really bad where I lived. Okay. So Doc, I want you to see something here. Look over at at seventy five at the beginning of the chart. Mm -hmm. You see the peak. Yes. The inflation peak. Now go to 1980, you see another peak? Another spike. Then you go to 1990. Yes. 
There are three waves in an inflation cycle. This is an inflation cycle. There are three waves. You see there, uh, between um, 75 and 80, it, it, it went down. Yes. People thought, oh, good times are back. Right. And then it shot back up again. An inflation cycle has three waves. And look at 1975 to 1990. How many years is that? That's 15 years. Okay. So go from 2022, add 15 years. Yeah, we're in the mid-2030s, uh, close to 2040 by that time. Yeah. That's where we're going, guys. This is what I want. This is what I want young people who are watching me. This is what I want you to understand. I've already been through this in my life. You are going into 10 to 15 years of runaway inflation, unemployment, shortages, energy crisis. It's a cycle. And you need, if you have knowledge of this, you'll make better decisions to get through it. Because when I was in my 20s, nobody showed me this chart. Nobody told me about cycles. Nobody gave me any wisdom of how to make the decisions to get through this 10 to 15 year period. I just had to do it the stupid way. And I don't like it. I, and I, that's why I, I have such a passion for young families. I, I really do. I have a passion for young families because I don't want them to hurt. I don't want them to suffer. I, I want them to get through these things. And, but you have to understand, it's cyclical. It's cyclical. There will be three waves of inflation before this is over, Doc. And we're just ramping up. We're in the up. first one. We're just, and we're in just ramping up to Oh, it. we're just at the beginning. This is the first wave. It's like a roller coaster. You go up the peak and you come down. You go back up, come down. You go back up again. Then on the third one, it levels out. So you got 10 to 15 years of this kind of roller coaster ride with inflation and shortages. Um, it, it is not going to be a easy time for anybody. Uh, but if you're aware of it, if you have knowledge, you'll make better decisions and you'll, you'll know, oh, this has happened before. It's happened many times before. Yes. It's a cycle. Once you understand, see, here's the thing about cycles. You're usually my age or older until you figure out the cycles. <laughs> All right? And, by, and, and for us, it's like, well, What's what, do I, what do I do with this now? I'm at the end of my life. So then you want to share it with people who are just starting their lives, but they don't want to listen to an older person because they're just going to figure it out on their own. And so they'll go through it and get their heads knocked around. And then someday they'll be my age and they'll go, wow, there are cycles. <laughs> the very and they'll same try, one. They'll try to tell their children and grandchildren about them. They won't want to listen. And that's why man is like this. This is why mankind just keeps going through cycles. 
and I believe that's a result of the flood. It is. In, in my opinion, uh, because the Lord said, as long as the earth remains, there'll be seed time and harvest. There'll be, uh, there'll be wind seasons. There'll be things that'll go back and forth. There'll be cycles. Yes. This is it. You're going to be riding the treadmill until yes. the end of the world. That's right. That's what the cycles are. It's the treadmill to the that's end right. of the world. And Solomon knew about cycles. He said, things that have been shall be again. Yes. All right. There's nothing new under the, under the sun. Learn about cycles. There are business cycles. There's war cycles. There are solar cycles. Yes. There are atmosphere, climate cycles. You know, all this stuff about global warming. Look, it's a cycle. It's a cycle. It's a 206 year cycle and it's over. We're now going into a 206 year cooling cycle. It's all that, that's what it is. It's a cycle. The world is made of cycles. The universe has cycles. And so the economy has cycles. And we, we are now in, in a steep inflationary cycle. And it's going to last 10 to 15 years. And there will be three peaks of inflation. And each peak will have a drop, a valley. And everybody will, the politicians and the news media will say, inflation's been whipped. It's over. Right. And then, that, and then it comes that, back. And that's when you need to be prepared. Yes. Because it's going to come back and slap you. It's not over until the end of the third peak. Right. Then there will be about two decades of low inflation, almost de deflation. Right. Because you've wiped out the assets of yes. so many people and everything. And now people have to start over again. And so... That cycle has to be primed back up once right. again. So educate yourself, learn about inflationary cycles, and find the wisdom uh, from past experiences that people wrote about, talked about, teach other generations. That's it for today. Thank you for being here. We'll be back tomorrow. God bless. God bless you.